our mission as believers, we must know if we're actually going to fulfill what the Scriptures reveal as the will of God for His people. And we all have to start somewhere. We have to start with an understanding of what we're supposed to give ourselves to and what we are supposed to flee from. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now let's stop there. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord's guidance here. And we will dive into this, um, this message today about staying on point. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that you would give us a vision of your truth by your spirit so that we may not rely upon the devices and the logic and the wisdom of men, but that we might see in your word according to the spirit what your will is for us. Lord, I pray that you would have give us your morning mercies. We do not deserve to know any of this, to see any of this. We do not deserve to go out in your name. But you give it to us. You sanctify us. You have set us apart and you have made us your people. The sheep of your pasture. And you call us by name. Lord, I just pray that we would walk in a manner worthy of that calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this passage that we just read... In a way, you can divide it into two categories. The first category is, do not fix your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength on the affairs of this life. He uses food, clothing as examples of things that the world obsesses about. Just the affairs of the everyday life that can absorb all of our attention, all of our resources, all of our time just trying to put together the pieces of our life. When here in Scripture, God says, don't do that because God's already planning on doing that for you. You don't need to double dip in the purposes and the plans of God. You don't need to do the things He's already told you He's going to do. So do not fix your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength on the affairs of this life. Instead of pursuing the affairs of this life, so this is the second category, rather than fixating on the everyday things of life, actively and deliberately seek God's kingdom in His righteous ways. That's what you and I are supposed to be obsessing about. 
Those are the things that are supposed to be absorbing our attention, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength are supposed to be given to the pursuit of the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I want to ask you the question. We're not going to stay in this passage. We're going to move over to Hebrews chapter 11. But I want to ask you this question. How has this seeking played out in your everyday life? Just ask the question. Look at your life. What is it clear that you are seeking? Is it clear that you are kingdom-minded? By the way you live, by the way you talk, by the things that you worry about? You know, I've heard people say, well, I'm just a worrier. I just worry about everything. It's just who I am. You're right. That is who we are. (laughs) That is who the natural person is. But God is calling us out of that. You cannot be a worrier and a person of strong, vibrant faith who is kingdom-minded, who has their trust in Jehovah Jireh at the same time. You cannot excuse it, excuse worry as a personality trait because worry has everything to do with what you think about God and how he interacts with you as a person and how, what kind of a place he has in your life. If you are a worrier, it means you truly think that God is absent from your life. That he doesn't have a purpose or a will for you. And that he is actively involved in you. That's what you think about God when you just submit yourself to being a worrier. Like it's an unavoidable disease. In a way it is a disease, but it's a disease that came from an apple that somebody ate thousands of years ago. (laughs) But it is not something that we have to remain in. So how does your life look in regards to whether you're seeking the kingdom of man or the kingdom of God? Can we tell, can you tell that you are on point with God's mission? Be honest with yourself. I'm not taking a raise of hands. Be honest with yourself before God. Okay? I'm not going to have you walk down the aisles unless you really want to. Sometimes that's helpful for people. But I just want you to feel the freedom to tell within your heart, to be honest with yourself, which sometimes is hard to do because we like to think positively of ourselves. Are you on point with the kingdom of God? Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. Hebrews 11:13 to 16 says, "These all died in faith." So he just started talking about some people of faith, um, ending with Abraham, not having received the things promised. So Abraham was promised that he would be made into a great nation. Now he died before seeing a great nation. He was told that the land of Canaan would be given to his descendants. He died. Without, without seeing that come to fruition. Now he's saying, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So you think about Abraham. Just think about him for a second. When he was called out 
of Ur of the Chaldees, for the rest of his life, he was a sojourner. He never had a home from that point on. As long as he lived, he was a sojourner. He was in exile from his homeland. Never went back because he was on point seeking the promise of God. So he, so the, this author of Hebrews is entering us into their faith, saying, having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Abraham submitted him to the fact that he was a sojourner. He was always going to be a stranger in whatever place he was for the rest of his life because he was following after God because he had received the good promise of God and he was called out of the place that he was and he, was ta- he knew that God was taking him to the promise and that someday God would fulfill all that promise. But until then, he was just going to be a stranger wherever he went. He was never going to feel at home. In verse 14, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland started out with a question, how is it apparent that you are seeking after the kingdom of God? Okay, so Abraham made it clear that they were seeking a homeland by the way he followed God in faith, by the choices that he made, by how his life looked. It was clear that he was following after the promise of God rather than seeking to stay at home where he was used to, where he could feel at home, where he had his friends and neighbors, where he wasn't a stranger. In verse 15, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Would Abraham's story be in the Bible? Would he be the father of our faith? If he left Ur for a little while, you know, had his Egyptian encounter, and then decided, you know what? I really kind of miss my my niece, you know, or my neighbor. What are they going to do without me? I was a good neighbor. I helped them out. They needed help. So then he goes back to Ur, goes back to his old home. Would he be the father of our faith if that was his story? But rather, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Now, three words perhaps can have the most profound impact on how we um, seek this life out. Three words that if you wrote them on your credit card, if you wrote them in your checkbook, might transform everything about the choices that you make in this life. Those three words from the scriptures are, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. We're in the business of remembering, okay, in the book, in the Hebrews chapter 11, people who have gone before us. Hebrews chapter 11, he's talking about people of faith. But what about the hall of unfaith? <laughs> remember Lot's wife. What are we supposed to remember about Lot's wife? And when Paul says that, he doesn't actually elaborate. He just says, remember Lot's wife, and he moves on. What are we supposed to get from that? He's telling us to remember something. What about Lot's wife are we supposed to remember? Now, 
Lot and his family took up residence in Sodom. It was a good business, trans- good business deal. Could make him rich. It wasn't because he wanted to go there for all the sinful pleasures. He was just, it was a good business decision. And they lived there for a number of years. Um, there's actually a strong story about the hand of God upon Abraham and, and rescuing Lot and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, eventually came to the point where God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their great wickedness. God enters the town, takes on human flesh, enters the town, and goes to Lot's house and says, I have to remove you from this house because I'm about to destroy it. The city is devoted to destruction, but you, I want to spare you and your family. So, he takes Lot and his family, removes them from the town, fire and brimstone start pouring from the heavens. You could hear screaming in the distance, probably. Utterly horrific sight and experience. Those were the people they knew. Those are the people they've been doing business with. They probably didn't take part in all the sinful pleasures and homosexuality that was going on in the city, but they were still their friends and their neighbors. They were hearing them screaming and dying, seeing them, the city burst into flames. But God said, flee this town, don't look back. But what did Lot's wife do? She looked back. And the same God that told her and called her out of that city is the same God who turned her into a pillar of salt. Because she looked back. Because she remembered the town that she was living in. She remembered the pleasures, the comforts, the neighbors, the friends that she had made, the marketplace. And she probably wasn't going to go back to the city. After all, it's up in flames. <laughs> There's nothing to go back to. But she was remembering the place from which she was drawn out. And she was longing for it. And she was missing it. Not to mention, it was probably a spectacle to see. <laughs> all this fire and brimstone falling down from the heavens and this whole city being just engulfed in flames. You can hear the sounds of the screams. It would be really hard not to look back at that. Just Even just to fulfill the curiosity of the mind. What's going on there? Why did God turn her into a pillar of salt? Because in her looking back, she was longing for everything that was hers. That was dear to her in that place. And she was forgetting the command of God. Where God was drawing her out of destruction, likely to bring her into life, into the promised land where Abraham was, perhaps. But she liked Sodom. She missed it. She liked what it had to offer. And that's why, perhaps if we wrote these three words on our credit cards our debit cards, our checkbooks, so that we would have to read it every time we pulled it out. Perhaps we would spend differently. Perhaps we would invest our resources differently instead of swiping every time we just want to fulfill a desire 
Not even a sinful desire. Just a desire. We would have to remember Lot's wife. What was she longing for and why was she destroyed? Am I following in her footsteps? Or am I apparently, am I in my life obviously considering myself a stranger, a sojourner, somebody who is not settled, someone who is not settling, someone who is not striving to gain and to get pleasures and comforts and stability and security? Those things aren't wrong necessarily. But are they the pursuit of the kingdom of God? They can be in some ways. But we must remember Lot's wife. And we must remember Abraham, of whom it is written, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. Is it clear with how we spend our money, what we make sacrifices for, what our minds dwell on, why we go to work, why we do what we do, what we talk about? Is it clear that we seek a better country from our life? Is that clear? It was clear with Abraham. It was clear with these people of faith that they sought a better country. Is it clear that you seek a better country or is it clear that you're just trying to make your country better? And you and I, we have the truth. We have Fellowship together in the truth. We're told to go and seek first the kingdom of righteousness. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're given a great commission to go and make disciples. With whatever it is the Spirit has gifted you in order to serve his kingdom with. It's not all the same. I am not a musician like the Blakers are. They are serving the kingdom of God with their the gifts of the Spirit as he has given to them. You all have your gifts of the Spirit. And they are diverse. According to the will of God, not the will of man. Is it clear that we are using those to seek the kingdom of God? Is it clear that we are using those because we're seeking a better country, not just for ourselves, but for other people? We come here because we have a certain degree of agreement in scriptural teaching and truth. How long have we sat under the truth? How much more accumulation of truth do we need before we go and get on point for the kingdom of God? What if it were better? This is just a hypothetical. I'm not saying any changes are being made, being made this drastic. What if it were better for the kingdom of God, for this entire assembly to dissolve, so that each of us could be forced into other circles where the truth was needed? We were forced because we weren't choosing it for ourselves. To go where people are in dire need of what we have, but we're not giving it to them. 
What if it was better for the kingdom of God for this whole church to dissolve so that we were forced into that? Is it mean of God to do that? Or is he on point for his mission where we should be on the same point for his mission, but we're not? Are we ready to consider ourselves missionaries? People who have a mission and we're going to fulfill it. Are we ready to say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you ready to pour yourselves out on behalf of the dry, the barren, and the thirsty who'd have no water? Are we ready to do that? Lord, I just pray that you would glorify yourself in our hearts, in our spirits, in this assembly. That we would be a people who are on point for your mission, the mission that you gave us for the will of God that you clearly put forth in front of us in your word. I pray we would not miss it in our pursuit of Sodom, in our remembering the city from which we came, from our ties to this earth. I pray that we would consider ourselves strangers, sojourners, exiles, so that we are free to seek after that better country that you have prepared for us and all who will believe. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.